Hello and welcome to Dedicated Packers, the podcast where we do care about the Green Bay Packers. And we don't care about anything else. Let's go. Alright, hello and welcome back to Dedicated Packers. The Green Bay Packers just wrapped up a victory over the Miami Dolphins. And we'll talk about that in a second. First, I'd like to talk about some Friday news. And that is that Elton Jenkins was re-signed to a four-year, $68 million deal. Let's go. I mean, Elton, he was an all-pro level left guard prior to his injury in... uh, in 2020, he was an all-pro level left guard. In 2021, he was a serviceable to very good left tackle prior to his ACL tear. And he is now beginning to return to that form. It's just extremely, extremely exciting to see him be re-signed because now you've really fortified everything up front. You've got Elton, Myers, and Runyon as your core in the middle. And yeah, Myers has struggled a bit, but maybe they're going to try shifting him to guard, testing that out, and maybe he just comes in in 2023 and has a real year two to three jump and solidifies himself as your as your center going forward. And in addition to the interior being more or less solidified, you feel pretty good about where you are at the tackle spot. Bakhtiari, he's obviously under contract next year. We'll see what they do with him. Tom, of course, he's under contract. He's a rookie this year. And then Nyman is a restricted free agent, so I assume they throw the second-round tender on him. If a team wants to give up a second-round tender, they say, okay, thank you very much. You can have Nyman. And if they don't, they say, okay, we're going to keep Nyman. Let's put him at right tackle, and let's move on. And so with this Elton deal, you have made sure that your offensive line can come back next year and be really, really good. Then, with that out the way, let's jump into game notes. The Packers were playing a very good Miami team. I expected the Packers' defense to be terrible, and they came out in the first half, and they showed why I thought that, because they were bad. I mean, they were absolutely atrocious. They barely got any stops at all. One, one play by Rasul Douglas where he had tight coverage on Hill was really the lone good play that held the Dolphins to a field goal in the first quarter. And then the next drive, of course, they came right back hit an 85-yard touchdown and Jalen Waddle one play. And just like that, they were up 10-3. to They, even in the second quarter, could not stop anything, the Packers' defense. That is, I mean, they just got absolutely owned despite the fact the refs were trying to bail the Packers out with flags. Uh, I can't tell you how many holding calls our other calls on the Dolphins I saw but the Packers defense said okay we don't really care you we're going to give up these third and longs and second and shorts and first and tens like their free money they couldn't stop the run they couldn't stop Tyree Kale they couldn't stop Jalen Waddle they couldn't even stop Mike Gesicki so that was a, a bad defensive half they ended up giving up 20 points in that first half the Packers offense meanwhile refused to run the ball I didn't actually hate the strategy we'll talk about this later but there were just a lot of missed throws by Rodgers that led to a poor offensive half the Packers only putting up 10 while they probably should have had 21 in that half Rodgers he didn't throw it to Cobb on one play had to settle for a field goal there and then he missed a Christian Watson that was streaking wide 
wide open. So the half ended, pardon me, the Packers put up 13 in the first half, not 10. The half ended 20 to 13 with some Dolphins mistakes costing them on offense, but just not enough to, you know, have the game tied up. Then the second half, I don't have too much, too much news. Uh, In the third quarter, it was pretty quiet. Each side just got one full possession. However, there was some injury news. Watson, he was ruled out with a hip injury. That is definitely not a good injury. Something that is relatively concerning, but hopefully, you know, he's okay. I, I hate hip injuries. They're not fun at all, um, but you just got to hope that he's okay. Hopefully he can play next week. Uh, Ryan Wood, a Packers writer, caught up with Watson after the game. Uh, he said that Watson told him that he was okay, and Watson said, quote, I'll be all right. So, again, nothing great there, but it doesn't sound too bad long term. Keyshawn Nixon, he was also ruled out with a uh, groin injury. Not so good there because he was really a guy that provided a huge amount of spark for the Packers today, including a 93, I believe, yard kickoff return. Extremely impressive stuff from Keyshawn. So not not nice to see him get uh, ruled out, I believe, in the end with a groin injury. With the Packers team that had been relatively healthy to this point through the last two or three weeks or so, it's unfortunate to see them pile up injuries like this. And then we moved into the fourth quarter, which didn't go too much better. The Packers, they only hit two field goals off of two interceptions by the defense. And then there was a big controversial decision because because of those two interceptions with 205 or so left, it was fourth and three for the Green Bay Packers around the Miami, inside the Miami 10. The clock was stopped. Again, 205 left. The Packers up three. What do you do there? Do you kick the field goal to go up six? Or do you score the touchdown to essentially put the game away? The Packers, they opted to kick instead of going for it. And I just, I hated this call because when you go up six with 205 left, you're trusting your defense to go make a play. And I don't see any reason why the defense should have been trusted to make a play. I think it was absolutely ridiculous to put the the game in the hands of Joe Barry instead of Aaron Rodgers, which is essentially what you're doing in that case. That's stupid. You just cannot do that at all. However, the end of the game, Tua Tungavailoa needing to make a play, drops back, sees the cover two, tries to throw the ball, and Rasul Douglas just sitting right there, intercepts it, the third gift that two is put on a silver platter for the Green Bay Packers, wraps up that ball game. Luckily, Rasul Douglas didn't try to lateral the interception or anything. And that ended the game, 26-20 to 20 for the Packers, scoring 13 points in both halves. Not, a, not an impressive offensive output, but not too shabby. And a, a defense that thrived off of stops, not stops, turnovers. They had, I believe it was a five-stop total in that game. They forced only one punt but they got a fumble and three interceptions. So with that, I mean, first of all, it's a Christmas victory, so you've got to be happy about that. From a, I'm not going to say the word because I haven't talked about this the whole, whole year, and I don't want to jinx anything now, but there is a world where some things go right, some teams lose, uh, commanders lose one of their next two, or the Giants lose out, and then the Packers win their next two, and the Packers might might just be playing football 
beyond when we expect them to. That's all that I'll say. I, I'm not going to say much more because I don't want to jinx anything. But that is something you should probably be aware of. Offensive notes. I actually really like this game plan, thinking through it a little bit more. There was not a lot of running in this game, so naturally I'm generally going to be opposed to that. A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones both only had two touches uh, after the first half, so you didn't see a game plan that I normally enjoy. But I, and I talked about this tendency from Miami a lot in the in the pregame, so the Packers saw a lot of press coverage one high shell, which is essentially a defense saying, we're going to sell out to stop the run here and press your receivers at the line. You're going to have to beat us through the air, and you're most likely going to have to beat us moderately deep because of this press coverage. And the Packers decided, yeah, okay, especially in the first half, they said, yeah, okay, we won't really run the ball. We will pass it. And they did a good job. They they just missed on doing a really, really good job. In the first half, they scored 13 points through sort of their quick hitters and the ability to get guys open. Christian Watson played a massive part in that because they couldn't run the ball. But when you have a guy like Christian Watson, I mean, he was coming up with plays left and right, took a slant that should have been probably a 10-yard game for like 25 or so, took a massive hit, the one that ultimately gave him the hip injury, to pick up a fourth down conversion, just got into open field and made plays like Christian Watson does. And that was ultimately okay, right? You put up 13 points in the first half. Then the second half, they were just as successful, scoring, again, 13 points. But if they could have done anything in the red zone, I think it would have looked like a lot more than 13 points because the Packers... I mean, they were just a tiny bit away from a, from a 30-plus point performance. They they did a lot of passing, and guys stepped up, and they, in the second half, mixed in a little bit of the run, and that's what worked. Again, I didn't mind their pass-happy game plan simply because they were going up against a defense that, in the first half especially, didn't give much running room, so the Packers weren't very, very effective in that area, but did give up plays in the secondary. And so... I, I, it was sort of a similar offensive approach to the, to the Giants game, but you just saw some more success in this game. I, I would like to mention that Dobbs is good. He will be really good, and he played very, very well today. But the offense with him and Lazard after Watson went out showed why they need to get a good wide receiver in the offseason because they missed Watson's speed a whole heck of a lot. They needed to get the run game going more in the second half to put up those 13 points because it's a lot harder to stress a defense when you don't have that Watson presence on the field. If you if you stick with just Watson and Dobbs, you risk the offense not collapsing, but being, you know, around a 12 to 15 unit if Watson gets injured. But if you're bringing another guy, well, then when all three of them are on the field, you're playing with a huge amount of fire. And even if Watson goes in, gets injured or the other wide receiver gets injured, well, now you've got a good pairing and Dobbs and the other wide receiver, Dobbs and Watson, or if Dobbs gets injured, the wide receiver you bring in and Christian Watson. So they need to bring in another wide receiver to really be dominant in this pass happy approach, but I didn't mind it today. They were just a couple plays, again, that missed deep ball to Watson on fourth and two from making this a 30-plus point performance. So not unhappy with the game plan. I thought it made sense, logically, all things considered, and a couple plays go differently and you're looking at a good offensive output. My second offensive note, red zone, red zone atrocities. Just, my goodness, the Packers offense, they were really, really 
really, really, no, really, 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 really bad in the red zone. I mean, yeah, they scored two touchdowns, sure, but they had four field goals, and that's, if my math is correct, where on so many of those drives, they really could have had a touchdown because they were in goal-to-go situations. They were definitely in the red zone, and they just stalled there. When you score three points out of a potential seven, which is, which means you're leaving four points on the table, it's just an absolute killer because you could have turned the Packers 12 points in this game to 28 points, and that is just an absolutely major difference. That brings your total from six, from 26 to 42 points, again, if my math is correct. So you clearly... You need you need to have success in the red zone. That's something the Packers were so good at in 2020. It's critical in these types of games. It's going to be critical in the next two games and maybe in games going forward. So how do you get better in the red zone? Number one, I think they need to pound the ball more. I want them to get into I-form, get in the single back, whatever. Just get under center and play some power, power football because if you have three or four tries to get five or so yards, five, six, seven yards, I bet you can do it if you just pound the football. I, I bet you can. Pound the rock, pound in the defensive lineman. Don't run it once, get lazy, and try passing it going shotgun. It doesn't really work. We've seen it not work. That That's something I think they should change up. Also, you have to limit the penalties and bad plays. The Packers are a generally disciplined team. But a lot of their red zone failures came because of negative plays. On the first offensive drive, Rodgers didn't check it down to Cobb for probably a touchdown. Instead, he took a sack that essentially ended that that hope of a touchdown on that drive, and they had to settle for a field goal. Um, they also got guys like Newman with penalties. Newman had a false start in the red zone, and it's those t- type of plays that really set you back because you're already sort of up against a tough task when you have to go, you know, seven yards or so to get into the end zone and the defense only has to protect 17 yards because of the, you know, restricted depth of the end zone. However, when you give up, you know, an extra five yards for a false start or an extra 10 for a sack, well, now you're really screwed because the defense can just sit back and play all day, play back all day. So, you really need to clean up. You really need to be clean in the red zone, not have these negative plays. And the third thing is just hit the easy plays, okay? I could cite Rodgers not wanting to check it down the first half. I already did that. I could talk about Rodgers missing Watson in the flat, where, yes, Watson lost his feet, probably should have scored anyway. But if that ball is just ahead of Watson, just a tick, then that's a touchdown all day. And so I think that if the Packers get better at all of those, they run the ball more in the red zone, specifically in the red zone. They run the ball more. They limit the negative plays and they hit the easy plays. Well, that's when I think you have a really good chance of making it four touchdowns and two field goals, which is, of course, 34 points, as opposed to just two touchdowns and four field goals. So on the whole, I'm happy with the offense today. It certainly wasn't bad, but there were ways in which they can improve. The red zone's a way in which they need to improve, and the game plan, generally okay. Defensively. Not, not so good. The numbers on the surface, I guess they look good, right? You only gave up 20 points. But diving deeper, everything was bad, man. I, I don't know how I can tell you this was a good defensive performance. The Dolphins averaged something like nine yards per play. I mean, that's terrible for for the Packers, the Dolphins. That's excellent. And so how does this, how does this happen? How do you only give up 20 points, but you play so poorly? Well, let's talk about the poor things first. Tackling. 
good God, the defensive line could not disengage and tackle Raheem Mostert, who ran pretty damn wild. Um, the secondary, they also couldn't tackle. That was highlighted by an 85-so-yard touchdown by Jalen Waddell, of course, where Jair came sliding in and I guess what you can call a tackle attempt. It was pretty reminiscent of Darnell Savage's pathetic tackles. And then, on top of this inability to tackle and cover, Joe Barry wasn't very good. I, I, I could be more angry at Joe Barry. I'm not too angry because he probably exceeded my expectations, I'm going to be honest, but that's only because my expectations were so phenomenally low. He pressed not as much as I would have considered ideal, but more than I expected him to. Uh, however, not with Jair much at all. And aside from that, it just wasn't an excellent effort. He didn't come up with any sort of creative blitz packages or anything. He played almost no man coverage. He mixed in a bunch of soft zone without press coverage. And, I mean, let's not forget, right, his defense got diced up throughout the game. They forced only one punt. And in reality, when you're forcing punts, that's probably the mark of a good defense because that means you're getting stops. You're not getting lucky on turnovers. That being said, my dec- my second defensive note is that the plays that were there were made. Okay, how did they right? Like, how did they win the game if it was all this bad? Joe Barry wasn't good. The defensive line couldn't tackle. The secondary couldn't tackle. Well, Tua stayed up all night on Christmas Eve and worked very, very hard wrapping his presents. And the Packers they accepted them, they opened them, and they said, "Wow, we love these presents." Okay, they only forced one punt, which I mean. Penalties fully induce that punt. But Devondre Campbell forced a fumble, and then three picks came from Tua's very generous arms. The first one to Jair was just an overthrow by Tua to Hill. Jair was just sitting right behind the right behind Hill, and it just the ball kind of landed in, in his lap. The second pick, probably the nicest play of all three of the interceptions. Devondre, he made a nice play, just a bad read by Tua trying to force a seam ball that simply was not there. The receiver wasn't really looking for it. Devondre just kind of came in, took the ball away. And then the third pick, Tua tried to throw a cover two beater to, I believe it was Mike Kosicki and Rasul Douglas sitting in a soft zone, happy that Tua missed the throw, had a poor read, and ended the game. And so that is how you get this 20-point output, which on the surface, looks good without actually playing very well because Tua just gave them gifts left, right, and center. I don't, I, I can't give the defense too much credit. I'm not going to give Joe Barry any credit. I still think he should be fired. But when the plays were there, they made them. And that's, I mean, if they'd even missed one of those interceptions, the Packers probably would have lost this football game. Okay. We're almost done now. But. Let's talk about the players to watch here. My players to watch, number one was Romeo Dobbs. This is a W for me, okay? Dobbs, he had one drop on a check down, but other than that, he played a really, really clean football game. He came up very big as the Packers were trying to salt the game away. He ran absolutely filthy route on Xavier Howard, and that catch played a key role in their victory. So, yeah, I'm going to give myself a win here. Dobbs came in, stepped up with Christian Watson out. Nice game from Roman Dobbs. And then Devondre Campbell, another W. Is that possible? Can I go two for two in this? I can't, apparently. That's what's going to happen this week because Devondre, he didn't have an insanely solid game. You know, he missed a tackle in the running game, one pretty egregious one that I noticed. But he played well on the whole because there were some plays there that he could have made. He could have not made, and he made them. 
And the force fumble in the INT are the two plays, of course, that I'm talking about. He made a hell of a read on the interception, just came and snagged the ball away. And then he made a good play on Mostert to get the ball loose. So while he didn't play, you know, this super sound game, if you get two turnovers in a one-score game, you did your job. You did more than your job, actually. And so I'm going to give myself a W for both these. That'll make me 9 and 19. That is pretty much all that I have for you. Again, a Christmas victory for the Green Bay Packers. You can't be anything but happy with that. Can't be anything but excited about that. It's great to see the Packers winning football games. So be happy about that. A a fun win against a very good Dolphins team. That is what I have for you. Let's hope Watson's okay. Let's be happy about Jenkins. Let's be happy about Dobbs. Let's be happy about the win. And let's be happy Joe Barry didn't cost him a football game. That is what I have for you. As always, thank you very much for listening to Dedicated Packers. And until next time, Go Pack Go!